0: Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Substantial Upgrades podcast. This is the ninth episode of the special series dedicated to the Olympics called Olympics Explained. In each episode, we go in and describe one of the Olympic sports, give a preview, and try to get people more knowledgeable about all of the Olympic sports. And this episode is about field hockey. Field hockey is one of the two hockey's currently included in the olympic program together with ice hockey, which of course is played at the winter olympics and not the summer olympics although when you think about it, like you can play ice hockey in the summer there are several other sports played with the curved sticks of some kind that are called hockey, for example bandy, which is recognized by the IOC or Roller Hockey, within the, which is a sport within the Roller Sports Federation. And that's a federation that's desperately trying to get into the Olympics. But uh, so far, no luck uh, with Roller um, Sports outside of Skateboard, which is a bit of an hybrid. Roller Hockey is played on rollerblades, and it's quite similar to Ice Hockey. But we're not talking about that today, we're talking about Field Hockey. So, despite not being the most immediate kind of activity you can think of, as opposed to kick a ball or throw a ball, game with sticks and cube sticks in particular have been around for millennia, uh, dating back to the ancient Greece, Egypt, the Mongolian Empire. Now, funnily enough, nobody really knows where the word hockey comes from. Um, it's still a bit of a mystery. Of course, there are theories out there, but none of them is like, particularly convincing, but anyway, the first organized hockey clubs were born in London, similar to many other sports, especially team sports, but current form hockey started with a hockey association founded in 1886, with the first international game played shortly thereafter, and indeed hockey was already part of the Olympics in 1908 and in 1920, but was dropped in 1924. The four, the seven funding countries formed the Federation Internacional de Oki And that was a power move to have you know more influence on uh, the Olympic Committee to get OK back. And indeed they were ma- they managed to do just that. In 1928, OK was back in the Olympic. While originally was played on, on gravel or natural turf, which is more difficult to find. Since Montreal 1976, OK has been played on synthetic grass, synthetic turf. So it took like evolution of playing on synthetic turf much uh, earlier than football, which even now is played quite rarely on synthetic turf. And also rugby, for example, that I know of is not playing on synthetic turf. That's probably due to the fact that the ball travels all the time on the surface, and it's quite small. Um, that's what what allowed to use synthetic turf as opposed to natural turf and keep things um, also injury-free and more enjoyable. Women's hockey competition, though, dates, although they date back to the 80s, for the first half uh, of the past century, women have struggled to be recognized by the FIG. FIG, is, as I said, is the Federation Internationale de Hockey Sudasson. And indeed, European women teams remained in the shadow of the men that had all the power and at uh, the Fédération Internationale. However, outside of Europe, emancipation was proceeding much faster uh, than, um, than in Europe in terms of the, the women being able to play their own rules and play in their own leagues and under their own federation. And there was this um, push from outside Europe that caused finally, in 1980, women's competition to start being organized regularly under the banner of the FIH. And indeed, women's hockey was also included in the Olympics in 1980, which compared to other sports that got there much later, is actually uh, quite good. And Once again, this was due to the fact that in other continents not named Europe, women were organizing the sports by themselves. It's a recurring theme in history, uh, seeing that the faster way to get accepted into the men's game was to propose an alternative rather than wait for the men to just give you the opportunity. And the sports that did that were emancipated faster, especially at Olympic level. Funnily enough, though, historically, OK, is considered a women's sport in some countries for this very reason. Um, and does have an aristocratic feel to it in most of the more Commonwealth countries, due to the origins in private clubs and elite schools. So it is a sport that um, has a very strange aura in most of the world. It's either seen as something aristocratic or as something uh, um, not for men, which is quite weird if you think about it. In reality, it's like as any other sport it can be played by both genders. It's quite exciting if both genders playing it, and there's no, nothing aristocratic about it. We are like in the third millennia nowadays. Now, how is OK played? Um, OK is played 11 versus 11 with one goalkeeper, so 10 players that can move freely. The ball can be intentionally touched only with sticks and the face of the sticks, to be precise, not the backside. Whereas edges are a bit controversial. It's, been like a back and forth changes in rules whether you can hit the ball with the edge tackling to still possession is possible only with no contact with the opponent so it has to be very clean much cleaner than in football for example where a bit of contact is tolerated uh, Faults are punished with free hits where everyone needs to leave five meters distance for the player that was fought to put the ball in play again if the ball exits on the sides or beyond the goal you get a sideline hit and a long corner, respectively. The major penalties, though, are two: penalty corners and penalty stroke. Now, the latter, penalty stroke, is like a football penalty. Really, it's awarded for fouls within the circle, which is kind of a football penalty box. Um, whereas pen corners, penalty corners, are a, quite a peculiarity for OK. That's very peculiar of OK. They are similar to shootouts, but are not played one on one against the goalkeeper. Right there, there, are five defenders sitting on the back line, parallel to the goals, while attackers put the ball in play from the corner, from, from the corners just outside the scoring circle, so not from the faraway corner, and the rest of the attack team is waiting just outside of the circle. So what it does is it creates a very difficult situation for the defense to handle, similar to a knocker power play, but not in terms of advantage, but not really because like it's just really one uh, action that you can make but you're like heavily advantage in that moment. there are also yellow cards that results in a five minute power play and that's very similar to ice hockey but they have like uh, more the fact that you will see in rugby rather than ice hockey. so because in ice hockey they play uh, five versus five so when if you send someone out like five versus four is a big advantage, if you send someone out for five minutes when you play eleven versus eleven, it does not have so many advantages. So it's an advantage to play similarly to rugby when the same things happen. Play time is two hours or 35 minutes, but for most professional games the rule now is four 15 minutes quarter. So historically it was two hours or 35, but now at Olympic level and like at high level is always played as. 4 quarters of 15 minutes each who scores more goals win, that part is easy draws are possible but obviously not in a knockout stage where tiebreaker is a penalty shootout, no extra time and that's a penalty shootout uh, like you will see in football 1 on 1 or like soccer 1 on 1 on the goalkeeper um, the competition format uh, for once is very simple and clear Uh, It should be, is two groups of six teams, a single round robin, the first four advance to quarterfinals, and then you go to semis and final, including the gold and the bronze medal matches. Quite easy. In Tokyo, uh, all of the events of field hockey are going to be held at the Hoi Hockey Stadium, which was built for the Olympics in the new Tokyo Bay area. Uh, t- hockey starts on the first day of the Olympics and end on the Friday of the second week, so two days before the end of the Olympics. So uh, it ends before most of the other teams because they, most of the, other, the most of the other team sports conclude in the final weekend, so Saturday and Sunday. And I think that's good for field hockey because they, it gives them this um, window of visibility on Tuesday and Friday where there's there's less competition for viewership. The qualification process uh, has to select 12 teams for both women and men. Winners of the Continental Championships have a right to play in the Games. But on top of that, we have Olympic qualifiers, which for this edition were very simple. Basically, they took the rankings at a given time and the pair team, like, uh, I don't know, the first team in the ranking that was not qualified yet will play the, I don't know, 20th, uh, team in the ranking has not been qualified the second, the 19th the third, the 18th this obviously created quite a, a lot of um, not unbalanced matchups uh, also because the format was head-to-head with the first and second leg played both at the home of the higher ranked team so they had, had a huge advantage so the scope was not to create upsets was to get the best team into the Olympics which is something that it's a bit um, difficult to, uh, to assess whether it's the right thing to do. On one side, you want to avoid, like that happens in other sports, like football, for example, where it discussed on the series, where you don't really get the best teams there. At the same time, you kind of give like a very, very faint opportunity to inferior teams to actually be there. So it has pros and cons. Overall, though, it creates a good tournament. Indeed, the only partial surprise probably was Canada qualifying after beating Ireland in the men. But uh, otherwise, there weren't many surprises in the qualification process. Now, what are the traditionally strong countries in. Uh, okay, while India and Pakistan dominated the sport from the 50s to the 80s, since then it has mostly been Europe and Australia taking over, but also Argentina has emerged as a global powerhouse in the past 20 years. If you look at the women and the men top 15 teams in the world, like the rankings that they published uh, monthly, they're very similar. They're very similar. The only big misalignment currently is Belgium, which is first among the men, but outside the top 10 in women, and also, qualified to, also failed to qualify for the Olympics. But otherwise, it's like very similar um, balance of power when you look at the men's field and the women's field. The 2016 Olympic winners were Great Britain, which won over Netherlands in shutouts, and Argentina, which won over Belgium for the men in what was a surprising final at the time, especially because Belgium was involved, but then Belgium showed that they're for real and they've been dominating okay for the past uh, four or five years, really. Now, let's make some predictions since we know the, the groups already. Now, Belgium has won the last World Championship in 2018. They won the last Euro Hockey Championship in 2019 after the runner up finish in Rio. They are the number one team in the world ranking. So, like, they have a lot going for them. The problem with Belgium is they won too many tournaments already in a short amount of time in a men's field that is not exactly prone to long stretches of domination historically. And in particular, Belgium has edged. Germany by one goal in the knockout stages of the most recent uh, or the two most recent big tournaments. So, considering that Belgium and Germany are in the same pool at these Olympics, it is a distant possibility they can face each other again in the semis or the final. And I really think that Germany is favored to be the advancing in that context because beating the same opponent, which is a good one, three big tournaments in a row is something very difficult. And bookmakers kind of agreed with me that Belgium is not the favourite. They are the second favourite, with Germany being the third favourite. So who is the favourite favourite? Australia. Uh, And Australia is the number two ranked team in the world, Uh, winner of the Hockey Pro League finals in 2019. Hockey Pro League, it's a long competition similar to the Volleyball Nations League or the Water Polo World League, if you are familiar with that where international teams face each other in round robins, playing 14 games total, plus then a Final Four knockout stage called the Grand Final. And Australia won it in 2019, beating Belgium in the final, after winning the regular season. So it was a very good showing for them. The 2020 Pro League has been interrupted due to the nicest views in the world, but some games were held in the end of 2020 and early 2021, Well, unfortunately, Australia has not played any of those. They played just two games with New Zealand uh, very recently, but, I mean, they're not that informative because they were basically friendlies. In the matches played in 2021, Belgium, Germany, and England, or, well, Great Britain for the Olympic purposes, but it's England, all showed good form. Uh, However, that does not change the needle much in my estimation. I will stick with an Australia-Germany final and then a bronze for Belgium versus England, or maybe India, which is always up there among the favorites, but always disappointed big time. And obviously, Netherlands is also in the cards as the number three ranked team in the world, and is the fourth favorite according to bookmakers. The women's side is theoretically less open, because there has been a dominant team for almost two decades now. And the team is the Netherlands, which only fell the Olympic gold in Rio, losing at the shout-out with uh, uh, Great Britain. Otherwise, they would have won three consecutive golds. And they are three consecutive time Euro champions, including the 2021 edition. They were winner of the last two World Cups. And oh well, a World Championship maybe. And if you um, look at the f- last four World Championships, they won three of them and they finished up second in the other one. And this dating back to 2006. They won the 2019 Pro League, winning 18 out of 18 matches, which is crazy. It's crazy to win 18 out of 18 matches. They also won the abbreviated 2020-21 Pro League, winning 11 out of 12 matches. The only time they lost was to Argentina and Buenos Aires in February 2020, but then they won the other match that they played with Argentina. They tend to play two consecutive matches with the same opponent, so they, they split the series, they lose one. And basically, it's the only big, uh, big, it's not even big, it's the only loss that they have recently. This stretch of dominance is particularly impressive because, on a single game basis, they can be beaten. It's not a situation like the US water polo team from a few years back. When they are so much better, it's not even fun. Uh, you can tell when you watch them play. You can beat them. They just don't, don't do that. Um, they play competitive game. It's just very, very hard to beat them. Um, and indeed, bookies give them about 45% chance of winning gold because the field is indeed competitive. You would expect with such level of dominance them to have like more than 60-70% chance of winning. But that's not what the bookies see, and I agree with them. They give them 45% because this is still a very strong field behind them. Uh, To tell you how how deep the field is, Ireland were the runner-ups at the World Cup in 2018, played in London. But they almost failed to qualify for the Olympics. They needed a shout-out versus Canada to survive, which is an indication of how deep the field is. If a team that is second in 2018 struggles mightily a year later just to get qualified for the Olympics. Argentina, Australia, England as Great Britain and Germany are the main candidates to upset the Dutch in Tokyo, but I'm sticking with them for the gold. And I think that whoever wins Group B, where Netherlands is in Group A, is prone to get a silver medal. And uh, here, like Argentina, but also New Zealand and Spain are possible surprises. And while Great Britain, India, Germany, Ireland on Group B are all good teams. I'm picking New Zealand for a bronze medal. I think uh, they got close many times in past Olympics. So uh, like by the law of big numbers, it must be their time to get some Olympic glory. They have the number six team rank in the world, so it won't be a huge upset. But I think New Zealand uh, is going to get on that podium this year. So that, that was it for me. Um, I hope I uh, picked your curiosity about field. Okay. It's an interesting sport to watch, uh, also to watch it uh, live. Uh, you don't see the same crowds you see in other sports. But yeah, I would uh, suggest uh, everyone to, to try and watch some of the games during the Olympics to, to get an idea on what kind of sport it is and what to expect. So that concludes the episode, and the next episode is going to be about another team sport. It's going to be about handball.